We hope you enjoy this episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast. But first, a message from our sponsor. At Modern Law, we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all solution, and we understand that some clients need full representation using every tool in the legal toolbox. This is especially true for custody and alcohol cases, which is why Soberlink has been one of the most important tools for my clients. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people prove their sobriety with peace and mind during their parenting time. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit Soberlink.com forward slash modern. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast. I am your host, Billy Tarasio, owner of Modern Law and co-owner of Win Without Law School. And today we're going to take a slightly different approach to our podcast. We are talking with legal paraprofessional Christy Farmer, who is here at Modern Law. And we are going to talk about all things legal paraprofessional, who might be a good candidate, who might not be, surprises she's found, and her journey to becoming an LP. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So Christy, you are one of the state's first legal paraprofessionals. You now work full-time at Modern Law with a full caseload, um, just like any lawyer in the firm. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to being an LP? Absolutely. Um, so I my original history in in law was not in family law. I started out actually in criminal. I worked for the city of Scottsdale prosecutor's office um, as my very first legal job. Um, I loved it. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed the um, pace of it. I liked the work. Um, So I decided that's, that's the avenue I was going to stick with. Um, And then I kind of transitioned into civil law for a while, complex civil law um, as a paralegal, uh, working on really, really big cases that had a lot of documents, a lot of discovery, um, really involved cases. Um, And then from there, I decided that civil law was not for me. I didn't enjoy it. It was a little dry, a little stale, a little boring. Um, I wanted something a little spicier, something a little more exciting. And that's when I moved into family law um, and I became a certified legal document preparer first. Um, So I had a background as a paralegal. Um, Got my certified legal document preparer certificate, started working for myself, got some real good experience in family law. Um, And then I came to modern law as a paralegal where I was for a couple of years um, before I was able to get my LP certification. And you have been incredibly successful. It's been an interesting. So the LPs officially began getting licensed in 2021, right? Uh, it was towards the end, I think, but yeah, towards I think the late end 20. of 2021. Okay. And when did you get your license? March, 2022. Okay. March, 2022. All right. So at that time, there were only a few other people who had been licensed as LPs. And even now we only have roughly 50 at modern law. What we found, uh, we've been a huge proponents of the LP process and of our paralegals becoming LPs. But what we found is that The majority of people who have transitioned from paralegal to LP have not wanted to become essentially litigation attorneys, which is what you're doing. Right, right. It's, you know, um, I think a lot of um, people so far who've transitioned the roles from a paralegal into becoming an LP, I think are quite shocked to find um, the 
the increase in the level of responsibility. And also, um, it's very different to go from being kind of the, the number one person, the first supporting role, kind of the executive officer in a, in a, you know, an attorney group to becoming the one who makes the decisions. Um, that can be, I think, challenging for a lot of people and intimidating too, because if you're a paralegal, even if you've got 20 years of experience, um, you know, and even if you've been able to have a self-directed workload, you're still relying on the attorney to have the final say. Here, as an LP, it's very different to know that the final say, you know, rests with you. It's the buck stops here. So, you know, you better be sure it's right and it's a good decision. Um, so I think that's probably a big part of why a lot of people are reluctant or shy away from it. Um, I personally love litigation. Um, I love the... Um, contentiousness of it. Um, I know that probably sounds a little a little funny, but I kind of love going to bat for people um, and try to try to win their case. You know, um, I think it's it's an exciting, you know, profession to have. And I love looking for that, you know, that angle or that argument that you can really like build up and go, oh, yeah, this is it. This is going to be the big winner. I, I enjoy that very much. So I guess I was more well suited, <laughs> well suited for it than than some other people. But you have to be ready to really like dig in and and, um, you know, go to bat all the way, because if you don't if you don't do it all the way, you're not going to be successful. You really have to, like, fully absorb it and just kind of lean into it, I think. I see. So are you saying it's mostly a mindset difference or are you saying it's a completely different role that not everyone might want or is suited for? I think it's a little of both, honestly. I think um, it's definitely... Um, you know, part that the role is surprising, even if you've worked very closely with an attorney, um, I think maybe you don't, it's one of the situations where you don't realize what really goes into making these calls, you know, kind of in the background or things you have to consider um, until you're actually making them, you know, just like everything else in life, it's, you know, you really don't know until you do it. Um, so that, that can be really eye-opening and quite startling, I'm sure. Um, and then the mindset, you know, I think is also a key, a key component too, because I went into it, um, knowing that this was a very, very, I mean, it was brand new. There was no precedent for this. There's no history to go by. It's just, you're trailblazing. Um, so my mentality going into it was that if you're going to blaze a few trails, you're going to, you're going to get burned a couple of times. You're going to learn along the way. So it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be simple. So you have to be kind of prepared that, you know, this isn't going to be this perfect trajectory up to success. You know, it's not, it's not set up for that, but I was okay with that. Cause I, I went into it with that mindset. I think that that's really critical, like really critical because many paralegals pride themselves on being perfect. They're yes. the details person. They're the person that doesn't let things get missed. Everything's always under control. They, they're the controllers. Absolutely. And many paralegals I have found really think that they do much more work than the lawyers do. <laughs> I mean, I can't disagree with that because a lot of times paralegals are the workhorse in a, you know, in an attorney paralegal relationship. Um, you know, they're doing the drafting, the docketing, the filing, all those things that have to happen to make a case move forward and, you know, make sure things are getting done when they need to be. Um, those are not small things. Um, and paralegals manage a lot. You know, there's a lot to juggle. 
Um, so, uh, you know, they do, it's just a different type of work. I think when you make that jump, it, you know, you're less about the details and more about the theory or the big picture, um, you know, and so it's, you know, it's a different set of skills, but I don't think anyone, um, who's been a paralegal is, you know, inherently not able to do it. I think it's just a matter of believing that you can do it and telling yourself that, you know, you're qualified to do this and that you can, because I know a lot of it, I think comes to from a lack of maybe confidence because you're new at something and, you know, you're not always sure what other attorneys are going to be thinking, you know, um, when they come up, come up against you in a case, they can, you know, hold some some pre-existing maybe, um, you know, bias against you because you're not an attorney. So, yeah, I mean, the imposter syndrome must be heavy in this role because a lot of lawyers were not supportive and lawyers can generally be, you know, arrogant and superior and you go to law school so that you could be a lawyer. And so you're having to deal with that, knowing that, and then having it be brand new and knowing that not everybody accepts you. So you really had to go in mentally tough to deal with that plus learning. How do I strategize? How do I make big, huge decisions? How do I do different things? in law. Yeah, no, and you hit the nail on the head with imposter syndrome. Um I think that's a that's a constant struggle to push that down and you know kind of keep keep that under control and remind yourself that you know this, you've done this, you know what you're doing, you you know you're competent to do this, you're qualified to do this and you can, you know, be successful at it. Um, but there is always that voice in your head that kind of says, well, you know, you you didn't get a law degree, though. So are mm-hmm. you, you know, but um, I, I think, you know, also there's been I've gotten both positive and negative encounters from attorneys, um, which has been actually kind of surprising. I expected more overwhelming to be treated more negatively than I have been. Um, not that I haven't been treated, you know, negatively or heard stories about my fellow LPs being treated poorly, which is unfortunate because I don't think the profession will ever, ever pick up and take away what attorneys have. You know, attorneys aren't going away. Law school's not going away. We're not going to take your jobs or your clients. <laughs> We're here to fill a very, you know, a very particular gap that, you know, a lot of people aren't able to access, you know, an attorney and now maybe can because of us. But yeah, it's it's definitely a constant reminder, you know, constantly reminding yourself that you're you're just as good as the attorney just because you don't have the JD, you didn't go to law school doesn't make you any less um able to handle these things than than your opponent. So, right, yeah. Right. You have passed the test. You have gotten the bar license, mm-hmm. just less experienced. Right. It's, it's, you know, I, I equate it to being like a baby attorneys, mm-hmm. um, where you ask a lot of questions, you know, mm-hmm. I, my managing attorney and I are very close because I ask her questions a lot, you know, and because I want to tap into her experience and, you know, her years of practice. Um, that's how, that's how we become better. Um, mm-hmm. litigators, you know, employees, lawyers, LPs by experience, you know, tapping into the experience of people around you, um, which is, again, why 
I really respect the LPs who decided to become licensed and go into practice alone, which I think, you know, there's actually several out there that are doing it. Um, I have a lot of respect for the willingness to do that without the, you know, expanded support system of a legal assistant, a paralegal, um, other attorneys to, you know, pick their brains when you want, we have a hard situation. Um, that must be a very, very unique um set of difficulties that I'm lucky to not have as part of the firm. So is there anything that we as a firm should be doing differently for incoming LPs? That's a great question. Um, I think really any LP that's, you know, new coming on board, I think if they want, if they're going to use their license to the fullest extent that it was intended to be, um, and litigate cases and, you know, take take cases from start to finish. Um, I think a lot of support needs to go into trial procedure, tri- trial techniques, um, because that, I think, is overwhelmingly the most intimidating part of becoming an LP. Um, you know, you've never been to trial. It's not it hasn't been an option until you got your license. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you've watched trials. We all have, you know, as paralegals, we all watched many different types of hearings. Um, but I think, you know, the ongoing focus on trial skills, litigation skills, um, the rules of evidence, you know, ongoing just education, because, you know, I think, too, that LPs at least in my personal experience, and I I would imagine some others feel the same. If you're going into a hearing and you know that you've got a, you know, an attorney on the other side, a very seasoned one, maybe your best bet is to out prepare that attorney because you can't out experience them. Prepare them. That was just, that was so good. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's my own personal policy is that if I know that I'm going to go head to head with someone who has maybe 30 years of, you know, family law experience, I'm going to, I'm going to out prepare them. And that's what I'm going to do this case better than they know the case, because you got to know the facts, you got to know the law, and then you got to put on a good story. Absolutely. And And that's, that, that's makes all the difference. Right. And being prepared helps you craft that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that. I love that advice for the firm, more focus on trial skills. I do think that that is just spot on and it's something that we have learned and started incorporating into trainings, but of course you didn't get to be the benefit of that. So what about people who are maybe they're paralegals and they're considering becoming LPs, what can you tell them in terms of what to expect, both the process to get licensed and what is it, what do they need to know? Yeah, the the process to get licensed, the very first thing I would tell them to be is patient because just like any other type of license, you know, it's not, it's not a fast process. Um, I would tell them to study the, you know, the relevant statutes for the test to prepare. I, I actually uh, was on the uh, legal paraprofessional website section of the Supreme Court recently, and they do post the uh, different uh, test passing statistics. And there is a startlingly low pass rate for all, the core exam, which covers ethics and all of that, and also the subject area exam. Really? Like family law. Yeah, the, the passing rates were low, 40%, 35%. Okay. 
I this mean, it's not an easy test. It is not. It is not. I was I was surprised at how difficult some of the questions were, um, actually, when I did take the test. So be prepared for the test. Uh, you know, you can't just take it endlessly until you pass. You are limited. So you want to really make sure that you're giving your best effort and, you know, going into it fully prepared. Uh, and then once that's done, then it's, you know, equally as hard, but different in a different way to gather all your documentation to make sure, you know, you've got your fingerprints done because you do have to have that full background check and um, they have to ensure that you're fit for the position, um, which which takes some time. So make sure you're organized. You have all your documents and everything in order, which for a paralegal should be no problem. Um, <laughs> and then just really you know, be ready for a pretty steep learning curve. It's, you know, it's not, it's not something you're going to pick up in a day, a week, six months, or even a year. I mean, this is, this is an ongoing process. So you have to get okay with being kind of uncomfortable in the beginning, I think a lot, and knowing that you're just going to get better and more comfortable and more confident as time goes by, because if you go into it, knowing that it's not going to be you know, super simple. I'm a fast learner. I can pick this up in no time. Um, you'll be a lot better off, uh, I think, in the long run. Christy, I have really enjoyed this podcast and uh, I am continually impressed by the results you're getting for your clients, your your participation in our attorney meetings, just how much you know and contribute and your your true bravery in diving in. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing all this information and for just being as awesome as you are. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And it, the pleasure is all mine, really. I love, I love working with the firm. I love being an LP. I love all of it. I mean, there aren't there, don't don't get me wrong, there's plenty of stressful days, but you know, it's it's been a great experience and it's been a great learning experience. And I'm I'm so thrilled to be able to do it. So thank you so much. If you all have enjoyed this episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast, please make sure to download it, rate it, share it with your friends. And if you know of someone else who would be a good guest on the Modern Divorce Podcast, send them our way. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and I will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast, brought to you by Modern Law. Now, a word from our sponsor. One consistent theme you'll hear from me, Billy Tarasio, is that we do not believe in a one-size-fits-all solution. That's why at Modern Law, you can find anything you need for your family law case. For the highest stakes litigation cases, we've got experienced family law attorneys who can offer you representation. We also have embraced newly licensed legal paraprofessionals who can offer you legal representation for less. And if you just need your documents prepared, we can offer certified legal document preparers as well. If that's not for you and instead you are representing yourself, congratulations. You are like one of the 70% of people out there doing it on your own. And our newest offering, Win Without Law School, can help. For more information about Win Without Law School, go to winwithoutlawschool.com. To get representation options, go to mymodernlaw.com.